Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Vandalia, Michigan campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. The other thing I wanted to say is um, this is a really important week. Because <laughs> this week, Michael and Amanda Graff move here. And they're uh, uh, taking over as pastor of this congregation. And I'm super excited about this. This is... In one sense, it's like carrying uh, the football across the finish line, all right, and, and making a touchdown. Because we've started a church, it's been a satellite church, but having a full-time pastor in town that can take it uh, to, uh, you know, and continue the game is really, really important. And one of the big things that's going to shift is <clears throat> Mark was here for a couple of years, you know, he was here from the beginning helping, but... For uh, the last couple of years that he was here, he was fully devoted to, you know, this is his primary task, although he still had responsibilities in Kalamazoo, and he was associate pastor over all of New Day Ministry with me. <clears throat> so Mark worked for me, but Michael's coming in, and we're going to work together. He's going to work with me, but he's not going to work for me. He's not my employee, uh, and so this, is, this church will become a separate entity, a legal entity. We're in the process of, of setting that all up. But I'm still going to be available and uh, likely uh, we'll be meeting with Michael on a regular basis. Next week at Church at the Camp, you need to be there. And listen, I'm going to give you a homework. Call someone who isn't at church today that normally comes and bring them to Church at the Camp. All right? Did you hear that? All right? Not only come, bring someone. I need your help. Drag them. Trick them. Tell them, hey, you want to take them out for dinner. It, it's true. I mean, you, you'll get dinner. Dinner's provided. So the reason I'm, I'm, I'm serious about this is because uh, one of the things that we're going to do at the service is I'm going to um, uh, lay hands on Michael and actually pray an impartation of spiritual authority for this, for this church and congregation. And we'll, we, we hope to have a more formal ceremony where his family and uh, people from there his church in Tennessee can come up and be part of that, uh, and we'll, we're going to try to schedule that uh, this fall. But on on uh, Sunday, a week from today, we'll be praying and, and and blessing him as the pastor. And it'd be really good to have as many from this congregation here to join with us in that prayer. So, and as a church, I just encourage you to receive him wholeheartedly. You know, Paul writes about the church in Berea. In, the, in his letters, he said, those Christians, the Bereans, were more noble than the Christians in Thessalonica, which is another town. It's, like, it's just actually in the Bible. Can you imagine when the Thessalonians got to heaven and found out, you know, they weren't as noble as those Bereans? <laughs> Paul says that in the Word of God, all right? That, that, that this, these Christians were more noble, they were more upright, they were better behaved, they were more respectable than uh, the Christians in Thessalonica. Why? Because when he preached, they received it with all readiness of mind. Okay? In other words, they were eager to hear whatever was preached. But then, they went and searched the Scriptures to see whether those things were so. 
And so they had that perfect balance of coming and receiving. They received Paul, received the other ministers that came uh, wholeheartedly, enthusiastically, but then dug into Scripture. Because there is no perfect preacher. If you meet one, don't believe them. (laughs) You know, anybody who thinks they're perfect, they're not perfect. Uh, and so Michael is coming to serve this congregation. I just encourage you, I plead with you to embrace him, support him. Um, uh, be an Aaron, be a her, uh, as Aaron and her uh, supported Moses' arms during the battle. You can read about that in the Old Testament. Someone who lifts up and supports and is doing it for the kingdom's sake. And so that's your responsibility. I'll do my part. But I'm asking you and the whole congregation to do your part by supporting. Because I believe the best, by far, the best years of this congregation are yet to come. And I think uh, Michael is the perfect man to, to take it the, the next season. All right? Was that good? It's all good? Somebody say yes. Amen. Okay. Anything. <laughs> I need feedback. Not just hearing my echo off the back wall. All right. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, we're making a little play on the, a movie that was out uh, a few years ago called Guardians of the Galaxy. If you haven't watched it, I actually think it's one of the best of the Marvel mu- movies because it's funny, it's, it's fun. And it's all about um, a group of misfits that when they join together, uh, they become superheroes. And uh, we're talking about small groups that we need to join together, and in doing so, we grow. <clears throat> and there's even a, another little play because... This character actually is, is, he's like a tree, and he's actually growing. He, he grows new. And so if you watch a movie, you'll get it. <laughs> and we, as Christians, grow when we work together. I was listening to a, a sermon teaching series, uh, um, a podcast uh, about leadership and pastoral practices. And one of the leading experts of small group ministry at one of the largest ministries in the United States was talking about how even they, who are they're the experts, um, cannot get people to faithfully attend a small group for longer than three to four weeks or three to four meetings. So it's every other week. It's like three. So they say after three or four. So it used to be, you know, Years. It used to be a year, and then we'd shorten it to six months commitment, and we shortened it to four month commitment. And I've had the same experience. We shortened ours down to a six week commitment, and that's because if it's any longer, people stop coming. <laughs> right? Uh, and so you kind of got to work with what works. And and I thought, wow, the the best people at this can only get people to commit to a three or four week. And then, then they just drop out because the content and what they are doing is content-focused small groups. So they get together to do a study of some sort. doesn't matter what the study is about. It's information-based small groups, which is good. It's good to learn information. But the facts are people are overloaded with information. And that's why, uh, uh, actually, it's been now two years that we've we changed our small group to make them more transformation. Mary Lee talked about uh, some of the differences that small groups is about building long-term relationships and seeing spiritual growth. And in three weeks isn't enough to see a lot of spiritual growth. 
And part of it is to, to make a longer, uh, to teach and to develop a system that, that will actually keep people in groups long term. And, and part of what <clears throat> I have to talk about is the fun topic of um, <clears throat> gossip and confidentiality. Okay, Confidentiality is important, but it can be uh, healthy or it can become a trap. And so what I'm teaching today is, uh, I taught it, of course, last week in, in the Kalamazoo Church, but this is one of my sessions. <clears throat> so when I do pastors' training schools, which I do throughout the year in different countries, do a lot, often uh, at least twice a year in Mexico, but I, I've done it all over the place, <clears throat> I'll actually take a whole uh, session, usually two to three hours, and, and go into depth because how to handle confidentiality is a very important thing in church and in ministry. And there's this whole thing called the confidentiality trap that most people are unaware of. And I'm going to explain it to you, uh, but I'm going to also broaden it out and talk about healthy and unhealthy confidentiality. Um, so Proverbs has a lot to say about this. And Proverbs 11.3 says, A talebearer reveals secrets, but he who is of a faithful spirit conceals a matter. And this and other Proverbs talk about a talebearer. That's one translation. Another translation would put it a gossiper. Um, and so uh, a, a talebearer or a gossip is always a negative uh, term. And so it, it implies a bad motivation. And it's contrasted here with someone who's faithful. And so faithful people conceal matters. In other words, you, you keep things confidential that need to be confidential. And that's part of being faithful. No question about it. He who conceals a transgression seeks love. Here it reveals that the motivation between, uh, behind keeping something concealed or secret, confidential, is love. But he who repeats a matter, someone who just goes out and blabs it, tells people information that is inappropriate uh, to be revealed, uh, separates intimate friends. And we see that this practice can actually destroy intimate friendships. And I've seen it happen countless times. It's happened in my life. It's happened to me where people have said things inappropriately and I've had friendships or uh, relationships destroyed because of it. <laughs> Very true. And it's because uh, one of the another Proverbs is 18... uh, 18.17 says, The first one to plead his cause seems right until his neighbor comes and examines him. And so this principle is, you know, when someone says something, it seems like they're right. Until you hear another version of it. And you go, oh, wait a minute. This just happened this week with a particular situation where I had three separate versions of something that happened just a few weeks ago from three different people. And it's like, wow. It was amazing how like one was completely the opposite of the other to the point where it's like, okay, somebody's lying here. But you know what? No one was lying. They were accurately saying what they thought happened. And then the third perspective, the third perspective actually was, gave incredible insight because it was a kind of in between and I could see how the other two people heard something completely different. 
And so we just have to understand that's how, that's how humanity works. Okay? Uh, it's rarely, uh, occasionally, some people just intentionally lie, but usually they're telling uh, their perspective and they believe their perspective. And so you receive it that way. I'm getting ahead of myself. That's one of the points. Here's Jesus' view on confidentiality. So that was Proverbs, and that's true. We don't want to go around revealing secrets inappropriately. But this is what Jesus says about confidentiality. So put your seatbelt on because this is a little harsh. Do you know Jesus is harsh? If Jesus pastored a church, would you go to it? <laughs> All of his disciples ran away. Okay. There is nothing covered that will not be revealed nor hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have spoken in the dark will be heard in the light. And what you have spoken in the ear in the inner room will be proclaimed on the internet. <laughs> Listen, Jesus doesn't lie, does he? Okay, do you believe this? So everything that you've ever said in secret is going to be proclaimed publicly. I don't know how Jesus is going to do this. I don't know what it's going to look like or sound like. But I know that everything I say, the little grumbling words as I'm walking away after someone mistreated me, or you know those words that you say, like just yesterday, I didn't say anything bad, but... <laughs> I was trying to make a left-hand turn. There's a left-hand turn lane, okay? And then two lanes. And this other guy was coming out. And for some reason, he like he pulled out and blocked one lane. And I'm in the left-hand turn lane going, dude, what are you going to do? Because there was not just traffic, but a, a dump, um, a, a trash hauler. You know, the, what do they call those? Refuse? You know, the garbage truck. This is a big, giant truck barreling down the road. And the guy sees me in the left-hand turn lane. He looks at me and goes, and so he just pulls right out in front of the garbage truck who had to slam on his brake and turn to the side. And you can see the garbage truck. I'm sure he said something. <laughs> I was like, sorry, dude. <laughs> the guy who did it, the mistake, never even knew it because he just floored it, thought he was in my way when he actually almost got his car totaled. Right? So those words at that garbage truck, you know, I said, oops, boy, that was that wasn't too bright. <laughs> and I was like, thank God he didn't actually cause an accident. But all those words, somehow they're going to be proclaimed. Everybody's going to know it. This is how Jesus views confidentiality. So it's appropriate to understand keeping secret, being faithful, but you also need to understand eventually everything's going to come out. So keep that in mind. Jesus said, on the day of judgment, People, that means, are you a person? Yeah, that means me and you will give account of every careless word or thoughtless word or every passing word they speak. So certainly if we're going to give account for the careless ones, we'll give account for the careful ones. But everything we say, we're going to give account because our words actually will either justify or condemn us. 
And so words are super, super, super important. Uh, this is the principle that guides um, confrontation and confidentiality and conflict within the church, but also within any relationship. It just makes sense. Jesus explains this. He says, if your brother sins against you, it's actually called the Matthew 18 principle. If someone sins against you, brother, sister, if you have a problem with somebody, go to them, uh, tell him or her his fault between you and him alone. And the interesting thing is, is in this, in this context, it's like if you know someone's upset with you, you need to go talk to them. But also, it goes both ways. If you have something against your brother, you know, go fix the relationship. In other place, uh, Jesus says, do that before uh, offering your offering at church. So make it right. So go to them one-on-one. If they hear you, you've gained your brother. In other words, you've restored the relationship. But if they will not hear you, take one or two more. So take somebody else. And let's resolve that conflict between a, a couple of people. By the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. He's quoting that Old Testament law. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen or a tax collector. So when it says tell it to the church, it doesn't mean we make it one of the Sunday announcements. <laughs> Although we could. <laughs> no. It means bring in someone from church leadership. Okay, and there's other places in Scripture, New Testament, where that's actually played out and we see how it's handled. Bring in someone that represents the church. And worst case scenario, I've only had to do this a couple times in my entire 35 years of ministry, you do have to bring something to the knowledge of the whole church. And I try to avoid that at all costs. Um, And then treating them like a heathen and a tax collector... Well, how do you treat heathens? Does it mean you never talk to them and you put your nose up and you shun them? Any any guesses here? How do you treat a heathen? You love them! What a radical idea. You love on them. You demonstrate Jesus to them. And so this whole idea of shunning that we get from some church... uh, 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 paradigms. It doesn't mean being mean to them. It means you recognize that they're living in a way that's contrary to Scripture, and so you you preach the gospel to them. Okay. So I have twelve rules that I've developed. I teach on how to avoid gossip, how to have a gossip-free life, and how to avoid the confidentiality tri- uh, trap or trip. <laughs> the first is. Words have power. Proverbs 18 says death and life are in the power of the tongue. And so recognizing that every word that you have, Jesus said you're going to give account for it uh, and uh, that you're going to be judged by your words. But uh, the Bible says that it has power to give life or death. And so strive to make your words life-giving. Always say things that uh, and, and say them in a way that they would bring life to whoever hears them, regardless of who you're talking about. Rule number two: No secrets. Jesus said it. There isn't going to be any secrets. So guess what? Just start living that way now. And then when you get the judgment day, you're going to say, 
That's okay. I haven't kept any secrets. So what do I mean by this? Uh, In a church setting, I think this also applies really well for a healthy business setting, uh, a family setting, in any, any community setting. This just works. Anything said in a meeting, even a counseling appointment, or any other setting may be shared with your spouse. Because I believe in the principle that the two become one. And so there should be no secrets between you and your spouse. Um, And with those in spiritual authority over you in the church, if it's a business setting, it's like your boss. Right? Uh, Or to those you go for spiritual advice, particularly a pastor. And then minors, people who are kids and still living at home, can tell their parents. And what this is all about is that this is a firewall for gossip. Because if someone comes up and says, listen, I, I just, you know, I need to tell you something. Uh, 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 James, uh, who's, you know, you know, James, yeah. And, you know, he seems like a really good guy, but I saw him the other day you know, in a restaurant with this girl. And it wasn't his wife, and they were talking. He was even holding her hand. I mean, geez, you know, uh, but don't, but don't tell anybody. I mean, don't tell your wife because you know she's friends with James's wife. So I don't want, I don't want, you know, I don't want to cause any problems. You know what you do? You go, sorry. Um, I don't keep secrets from my my spouse, and or my pastor. I guarantee you that person will never gossip to you again. Okay? And it will get... Every other person will soon know that you're not safe to gossip to. And you don't want to be safe to gossip. You don't want to be a gossip. Plus, who knows the full story? Right? What was James? Respected man in the church. Meeting with another woman in a restaurant. Maybe it was his sister whose husband was just diagnosed with cancer. And he was holding her hand to comfort her. I explained that scenario to the church I was teaching at, and they were like, that happened. Like that scenario happened just earlier that year where someone had falsely accused an elder in the church of an inappropriate relationship. It was a very similar setting. <clears throat> this stuff happens. So that no secrets means that you have the privilege of telling your spouse or those in spiritual authority over you. But you don't have to. Okay? And that is the next rule. May does not mean must. All right? I hear all kinds of stuff. I'm a pastor. All right? My wife hears less than 1% of the stuff I hear. Because she doesn't need to hear it. You know? And if someone comes and confesses some really bad sin they're struggling with, I don't want my wife to have to deal with thinking about that in that person's life. Alright? Unless she is part of the solution. If she's going to be counseling that person or praying for that person, then then I might reveal that to her. But 
Or if I need to process it, like, wow, I don't know how to deal with this. I need to share. If it's going to affect my relationship with my spouse, I need to share it with her. But most stuff doesn't. And as a pastor, I don't want to hear any of it. Okay? Seriously. As a pastor of a church, this doesn't mean come tell me everything people tell you. No! Only if the Holy Ghost makes you or you feel that it absolutely is essential for, <laughs> for the safety of the rest of the church because then I'll have to respond to it. So may does not mean must. Naming someone includes them. All right? <clears throat> this is a super important. So if I'm talking <clears throat> if I'm talking to um, to Jim I'm like, Jim, Jim, you know, Justin, I mean, I love Justin, but, you know, sometimes he just does stuff that really bugs me, you know, and he did this. Jim automatically has permission, because I brought up Justin, to go to Justin and say, hey, Justin, Cameron was talking to me, and did you know that he was really, you know, he doesn't like it when you do this and this? Are you good with this rule? <laughs> if you don't live by that rule, then you create the opportunity for gossip. Again, may does not mean must. Jim, and, and someone comes to me and says something about somebody else, 99.5% of the time, I'm not going to tell that person that you came to me and talked to me. What I would do is listen to you and go, oh, that's your perspective. And then if I see it myself or hear other reports that confirms this person is behaving in a destructive way or an imbalanced way, I might go and talk to them. And if I do go and talk to them, if you've brought them up by name, I will tell them, if I feel it's most helpful, that you're the one that brought it up. Um, again, this prevents unhealthy secrets. And unhealthy secrets are like a cancer to in community. Healthy secrets, when someone confesses a sin they're struggling with and you're praying and helping for them, helping them, <clears throat> you know, so there are times where it's appropriate to keep something confidential. Um, if, and, and uh, you know, you only would tell someone if they're involved in the solution. Uh, if you confess something to me, most of the time, I'm going to keep it confidential because it's for your good and for the good of the church. But I'm not going to get caught in a trap, right? You or someone, and you don't want to be caught in a trap where someone dumps something on you and you have no way to verify it or to resolve it, okay? And this brings up the idea of subjective accuracy. I mentioned it earlier, that everyone's perception is accurate in their perception, all right? <laughs> so, but it has no bearing whatsoever to objective reality. All right. One of the most, uh, uh, the, one of the least reliable forms of evidence is an eyewitness testimony. You know that, okay? Now it's powerful because you hear somebody say something, and the jury believes it. Uh, 
but it's the, you can get 15 people see the same thing, and they all have different descriptions of the criminal. You know, he's brown hair, black hair, he's white guy, black guy, tall guy, short guy, thin guy, fat guy. You know, it's like because there's all uh, uh, influenced by other things going on in our brain. But the person that says it really believes it. And so how this works out is that someone comes to me and tells me something about an experience they had with someone else, or maybe it was an experience they had as a child, uh, and it really affected them. But I happen to know their parents. I'll actually say, listen, whatever you tell me, I'm not going to judge your parents by what because by what you say because what you experience is personal and it's true to you and you know there's there's no way to find out what was what actually happened i'm going to minister to you and we'll seek healing and forgiveness for how how you experienced it all right and so they they can share something about someone else and i believe them love believes all things right that's in the bible and so I believe them that it's at, that it's true that they're being truthful, but I don't believe it necessarily is true for the other person objectively, because I haven't heard the other side of the story, and there's usually like 15 sides, okay? And so love can believe all things, but understand that it's different from objective reality, and that just really helps ministering to an individual. And in reserving judgment, so you don't make a judgment based on something you heard. All right? It can inform you. Oh, you know, like we had this person that <clears throat> someone told me they were a womanizer. You know, Kalamazoo is a college town. There's a lot of young women, a lot of young men. And this person was, this is over a decade ago, a long time ago. And they were like, well, I'm really concerned about this guy because... Like he's after women to to use, not and to get in a relationship, going from one to another. And I'm like, well, well, I'll pray about that. And when I heard it from two or three, or four other people, you know, then we, then I told the staff, I said, guys, just to be aware, there's a concern about this individual. And in a pastoral setting with other pastors or certain circumstances, I say, don't, you know, don't say anything. This is confidential within a pastoral setting. That we need to be aware of this individual. That's a healthy confidentiality. So a boss may talk to the managers. Hey guys, don't tell any of the employees this, but finances are looking really tight. If things don't change in, you know, four to six weeks, we may have to lay people off. And as the manager goes out and tells all the employees, dude, your jobs are gone. That's not healthy, right? All right. Same idea within a ministry context. So subjective accuracy and knowing when to reveal. Now, verbal processing, rule number six, halfway through this, I'm going to try to hurry. Verbal processing is normal and good. It's okay, when I say no secrets, it's okay to talk to other people in the church. In fact, you can talk to anybody about anything and anyone. As long as the motivation is love. And as long as you're living by these other principles. So I can I can talk to Justin and say, you know, Jim, I'm Vandalia. You know, I, could you help me process this? Because he said this. That's healthy. If I say something and he needs to verify it, that's okay. 
But again, most of the time that doesn't happen. That's a healthy, I'm not saying that's wrong. That's actually good. And I know ministries. I actually know this pastor, church is long gone, obviously, didn't last long. Well, actually, it did last actually a long time. I was surprised how long it lasted. It just got smaller and smaller and smaller. <laughs> the pastor would not let anyone in the congregation talk to anyone else in the congregation, ever. There was outside of church meetings when he was present. That's when all the fellowship happened. And like you couldn't have someone from church over for dinner. <laughs> it is weird. <laughs> because he was afraid because he'd gotten burned by people undermining him, undermining the church. And so his way wasn't to say, hey, you have the permission to come and talk to me. His way is don't talk to anybody else. And that's, that's controlling. I'm not being controlling. Verbal processing is normal and good. Just do it in a healthy way. And then no anonymous accusations. This is huge. Right? This means you can't say, Justin, there's a lot of people that really think that your behavior is inappropriate. And I just, you need to be aware of that. Because this, this is what I found. It's most people in church, actually. How do you think that makes Justin feel? You know, like, what, what behavior? And who? Well, I can't tell you. I need to respect their privacy. You know, that is, that is cruel manipulation. All right? Um, <clears throat> so don't ever do it. And if you come to me and say, you know, there's a lot of people in the church that think that your decision was wrong. I'll say, well, who? Well, and when you chase down the rabbit, it's usually that person. <laughs> and the other people that he thinks, he or she thinks, agree with them because they don't argue against it. You know, if you say something that someone doesn't agree and they go, yeah, I can see why you'd say that. That doesn't mean they agree with you. That means that, hey, they don't want to fight you. All right. So if you have an accusation to get someone, if you have a complaint about someone, don't make it anonymous. Okay, me and Jim and John were talking. That's healthy. And if you come to me and say, you know what, we were talking, and we think, Pastor, you just talk too long. <laughs> I'll go. I know. I know. And I keep trying so hard. <laughs> yeah. There is, uh, there, I don't know, this is one of the other ones. No, uh, not yet. There is nothing, well, maybe there's something. <clears throat> you can come to me about anything, personally, that you don't like about me, and I'll probably agree with you. Because I've heard it before, 35 years. I, like, unintentionally offend people. Okay. So often that I now I never even argue. If you come and say you did this and it really hurt my feelings, I'm going to say I'm so sorry. I didn't realize that. I will not argue with you because I know I did it. Because I do it so often. It's like I'm a big guy. If I walk through a store and knock something over, it's because the aisle isn't big enough. <laughs> I'm walking through an airport, you know, and I happen to bump into somebody. I'm like, how could you not see me coming? (laughs) 
All I'm saying is, you don't have to be afraid to come to me with a concern or a complaint because I'm not going to defend myself. I, I'm used to it because I've, uh, I've experienced this so much quickly. Obey the law, <clears throat> and this is about confidentiality. There happens to be laws. If someone is going to hurt themselves, like if you actually think someone is going to hurt themselves physically, you need to report it. And actually the best way to do it is say, hey, buddy, hop in the car. Let's just take a drive and talk about it. Let's go to McDonald's and get a milkshake. But instead of going to McDonald's, you go to the emergency room. Been there, done that. If you tell them I'm going to take you to the emergency room, they won't get in the car. All right? Uh, If uh, a uh, child, if you have firsthand knowledge a child uh, or a minor is being abused or or a spouse is being uh, abused, then you need to report it to the police. Fortunately, the police have uh, little resources and the outcome isn't often better, but you're obligated to do that for really good reasons. Um, and so when necessary, re- uh, uh, obey the law, but you don't report uh, hearsay. In other words, if someone tells you that they heard someone talk about Joe hitting their kid, you don't have to report that because you just heard a rumor of someone gossiping. All right? You need to have first-hand report. Does that make sense? Uh, respect authority. I'm getting ahead of myself. Respect authority is uh, is understanding the realms of authority and not speaking negatively or complaining or hearing complaints about people in uh, a different realm of authority. So, example, <clears throat> if you came up to me and started saying things about another pastor in town, I would stop you because you know what. I'm not in charge of that pastor. All right? I don't need to hear what he's doing wrong in his church. Uh, and I've had people come to our church. I remember one particularly <coughs> came and they had attended another congregation in, in church. And they started talking about <coughs> Pastor Joe. And Pastor Joe, he's just so uh, domineering. And I'm, I'm just so happy to be here because this seems so much more free. And I'm like, well, actually, I know Pastor Joe. He's a friend of mine, and, and he's much, much nicer than I am, really. <laughs> and it shuts him down, all right? And so it's respecting the authority of other people. It's just like you don't want people talking about your marriage. You know, I think so-and-so is a bad husband, or you know, or they're a bad parent. What do you, you don't, that's not your place to say that unless you're talking to them. You know, bringing out the real issue. Does this make sense? Yeah. And then understanding the principle of collateral damage. <clears throat> Nearly always, it's not. So if, if just you know, Justin came to me and, and or Justin had a, an issue with me, but he told Shelton, and uh, maybe even in a healthy way. And then finally, you know, I find out about that from Justin. And Justin and I talk it through, and it's actually nothing. It turned out to be just misunderstanding. Or I repented, and I was sorry, yeah, I was wrong. Sorry for, you know, knocking you over. <laughs> Church the other day, I didn't see you. <laughs> um, but then Shelton never finds out that we actually restored relationship. And then Shelton, you know, tells Luke, 
Uh, and sure enough, Luke and Shelton are like, well, that Cameron, he's a real jerk. You know, and I don't even know they know that. So I can't go and make sure they understand it's all resolved. And just understanding this principle of collateral damage, that when you say something to someone else and then they're going to say it to somebody else, that you're affecting other people's lives and in the day of judgment, you will give account for that. So be careful who you tell what. And follow Matthew 18 principle. If you have a problem with someone, go to them first. And then if you don't, bring a couple of witnesses so you, you have someone that, that's heard both sides. Matthew 18 principle put into practice. Pastors and leaders must be safe. I teach as pastors and leaders, so I talk about being a safe person. You can come and bring stuff to me, and I won't punish you because of it. I won't treat you differently. I'll actually respect you. I give you permission to ask Marilee if she's ever had a problem with me. Because I frequently do things that she brings to my attention were hurtful. Okay? And I've actually told her, you're good at pointing those things out. Whenever you see it, come and tell me. Alright? Because I want to be safe. And unfortunately, not all pastors and leaders are. I understand that. But as a culture, as a church, we develop that as a priority. And I'll tell you, Michael, if you have something, just come and talk. We're going to be safe. We're going to respond to it in a way that's healthy. Because last one, no one is infallible. No matter how long you've been a Christian, how long you've been a pastor, nobody is infallible. We all make mistakes. And understanding that your perspective may be wrong and my perspective may be wrong and that we're all in this together is the the mystery of the church. This is idea that through the church, it's, it's by our love that the world knows that we are followers of Christ. It's not by our fancy worship lighting. It's not by our perfect theology. It's not by anything other than our love, which is built on community and living in a way that supports one another. All right. Believe it or not, I'm better. And I'll say thank you. Preach too long. But listen, as a reward, you have donuts and coffee available. Be sure to come next week. And uh, uh, Michael's actually going to share at the church at the camp. And I think it's going to be a grand time. God bless you. Let's just close in prayer. Father, we commit all of our work.